welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. I'd like to uh, go ahead and land the plane this week uh, on our study through OCD, and there are a couple of things that I want to work through in order to hit on what I think really... um, comes down to the heart of the issue. And I'm going to conclude today with a particular passage of Scripture that I think really is the ultimate cure for the person struggling through OCD. And uh, I think this passage is uh, what every, uh, every individual with OCD needs to anchor themselves to. But in order to get there, I want to make a couple of observations. Uh, The person with OCD lives in a continuous and unending cycle that needs to be broken. The cycle is that they bounce back and forth between guilt and atonement. But both the guilt and the atonement are uh, mirages of the real thing, and that is part of the problem. What I mean is is that they struggle with guilt over issues that should not cause guilt, meaning they have an overly sensitive conscience, and they try to resolve that guilt using methods that are unbiblical, and thus they are unsuccessful. So, as some examples of obsessions, uh, you can struggle with thinking that you're going to shout an obscenity in church, or you're going to get germs, or forgetting to turn off the stove, or locking the door, or afraid that you've damaged someone else's property without knowing it, or thinking of murdering someone, or thinking of committing a sexual act, or wanting everything to be arranged in order and symmetrically, or afraid of throwing away important things, or praying to Satan, or any number of things that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And this is where the overly sensitive conscience comes in. Uh, After one of those things pops into your mind, you immediately believe that you're guilty. So it doesn't matter whether you got the germs on your hands or not. The thought that you might get germs on your hands is enough to convict you as guilty. Uh, And after the thought of uh, praying to Satan or whatever pops into your head, it's enough that the thought just popped into your head um, to, uh, to make you feel guilty about that. So now, before we talk about atonement, um, I want to say something that, in, that makes this entire system uh, incredibly distracting to a person. When you are worrying about making little mistakes uh, and you are afraid that you did something that you were uh, unaware of, Uh, You miss the really important things and sometimes sin in greater ways while you're distracted. So I told you uh, one time uh, there was someone that I knew who accidentally uh, drove his car on the shoulder of the road and he kicked up uh, some dust and he believed that he had to go back to the owner of the property and apologize uh, for that. And all of the time in something like this, where you have all this guilt and shame, all this time is invested um, in this problem, and it's just wasting time and energy to do the really important things that matter. And while the context is a little bit different, I think there's an interesting OCD application to be made from Jesus's words to the Pharisees. 
Matthew 23, uh, where he tells the scribes and Pharisees, whoa, you, you know, you tithe, uh, all this stuff. And he says, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you have ought to done without neglecting the others. Uh, Richard Baxter writes something along these lines. And remember that the Puritans are calling OCD uh, scruples. And so he says, uh, he says, yet excessive scrupulousness may be a greater sin and a greater hindrance in the work of God than some small excesses of flesh-pleasing which are committed through ignorance or inadvertently. When an honest heart which prefereth God before the flesh and is willing to please him though it displease the flesh shall yet mistake in some small particulars or commit some daily errors or of infirmity or heedlessness... It is a far less hindrance to the main work of religion than if that man should daily perplex his mind with scruples about every bit he eats, whether it be too pleasing or too much, and about every word he speaks and every step he goes, as many poor, tempted, melancholy persons do, thereby disabling themselves, not only to love and praise and thankfulness, but even all considerable service. What, what does that mean? Um... I probably shouldn't have even read that one. That is a uh, <laughs> old English there. Here's what he's saying. I'll translate it. Baxter is not condoning sin here. Um, he is saying that it's better to accidentally sin and move on than live a life continually doubting and feeling guilty about every minuscule matter. Now, I, I would... Uh, looking at this, would rather avoid both um, uh, and, and just have to say, uh, well, in, instead of saying, I mean, he, he's kind of saying, you know, basically this sin's better than that sin. And I, I guess I'd rather not make those kinds of distinctions. Um, but if I could take this statement and use it uh, to make an application, uh, I think the application would be that OCD, at least from Baxter's view, leads to bigger problems than it tries to avoid. You're trying to avoid doing this little tiny minuscule thing, and yet in the meantime, you have neglected all these weightier matters. Emlet uh, gives uh, an example in one of his writings of a father who ignores his wife and children while he's in the middle of a complicated counting ritual. And this is the kind of thing uh, that I think Baxter is trying to get at. And it is you are missing the important things in life um, and the important commitments that you're supposed to make um, and whatever roles that you're in uh, so that you can go through your OCD scruples um, while you're preoccupied with guilt and atonement um, on these things that really are not important. Uh, you're neglecting more serious matters. This is the component of guilt, this cycle that you get into. And so there's that first layer. There's a second layer, and that's the layer of false atonement. Uh, this is the ritual aspect of OCD, and it could be a number of different things. So, uh, as I just mentioned, it could look like a counting ritual. 
And by the way, sometimes the rituals are really odd in that they don't seem to have any kind of correspondence to the obsession. So normally when you think of obsessive compulsive, you think of um, the hand washing thing or the checking the lock thing. And the obsession and the comp- the compulsion makes sense in light of the obsession. If I am afraid I have germs, I'm going to wash my hands. But sometimes it doesn't go together. Uh, so you might um, uh, think that you prayed to Satan or something, and your ritual could be like a counting ritual. I'm going to count to 26 or something like that. And it's like, what in the world? This doesn't even make any sense. So sometimes the, the compulsion seems to at least make some sense, and sometimes it just seems to be totally uh, unrelated. A lot of times it is prayers that that have to be said in a certain way. So this is not just a a prayer of repentance, uh, biblically speaking, but it is a prayer that has to incorporate a certain sequence of words said in certain ways or else um, God doesn't hear me kind of a thing. Um, It can also be part of this atonement aspect could be looking for reassurance. Um, It also can be saying certain words, not not in the prayer sense, but just a word or a sequence of words that just has some kind of an atonement aspect to them, almost like an incantation of sorts is what it appears like to be. Um, the interesting thing about this is that even for people who are not religious, they are still seeking out some kind of atonement, which ironically is inherently religious, um, which means that the human mind, even when it is denying God, recognizes intuitively that some form of putting things right is required when sin is committed. So unbelievers still seek atonement. Uh, even if they don't seek it in God. I mean, this is what the masochist does, um, where they engage in some kind of self-harm, and it's they did something wrong, and so now they have to uh, cut themselves or harm themselves in some way, because in that harm, they're actually seeking to put things right. They're, they're seeking to atone for what they've done. So unbelievers all the time are, are seeking uh, atonement, Um, Now, here's what I think is a sure sign that the atonement you are seeking is a false one. Does the atonement that you are looking for, does it have any sticking power? And if not, uh, and if your version of the atonement needs to be repeated, uh, then it is not a sufficient atonement. So we know that whatever version of the atonement that's embraced by those with OCD, it has no sticking power. That's because it never breaks the cycle. They always need to perform the ritual again because it didn't work the first time. So the person who checks the lock might have mental peace momentarily, but shortly after that, they're checking it again. And so there will be a a few minutes uh, of relief few seconds, who knows uh, how long it's going to last, depending on the person, but you have a short time of relief, and then uh, you go right back into feeling insufficient again. So the person who believes that they prayed to Satan might be uh, satisfied to pray a prayer of repentance, 
uh, a ritualistic prayer, but then they immediately doubt the power of that prayer. And so to say that peace is elusive for the person with OCD is certainly an understatement. They don't seek atonement in Christ, and so they don't experience any lasting peace. And I want to read to you two different versions of the atonement. I have a book on my bookshelf called The Faith of Millions. It is a Roman Catholic book, and in it, uh, Roman Catholic priest John O'Brien says this about the Catholic Mass. Quote, When the priest pronounces the tremendous words of consecration, he reaches up into the heavens, brings Christ down from his throne, and places him upon our altar to be offered up again as the victim for the sins of man. It is a power greater than that of monarchs and emperors. It is greater than that of saints and angels, greater than that of seraphim and cherubim. Indeed, it is greater even than the power of the Virgin Mary. While the Blessed Virgin was the human agency by which Christ became incarnate a single time, the priest brings Christ down from heaven and renders him present on our altar as the eternal victim for the sins of man, not once but a thousand times. The priest speaks, and lo, Christ, the eternal and omnipotent God, bows his head in humble obedience to the priest's command. End quote. Um, I struggle to even say that uh, because of how blasphemous this is. This is complete blasphemy. It is a complete and total misrepresentation of Christ and the atonement. The Roman Catholic Mass is a complete and total perversion of the atonement of Christ and is single-handedly responsible for sending millions of people to an eternity in hell. Uh, I make no apologies for that. Uh, This is false doctrine to an incredibly significant degree. It is a total lie about Christ. It is a total lie about how we are put in a right relationship with God the Father. And it offers no hope and only uh, eternal condemnation. With that aside, I want to read to you another version of the atonement. That was the Roman Catholic one. And I want to read to you another one. This one says this, quote, And every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for a single, for for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies, enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And uh, end quote. If you 
don't recognize that. Um, that second description of the atonement comes from the book of Hebrews in the Bible, Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. Do you notice the difference between the Roman Catholic version of the atonement and the biblical version of the atonement? Of course, the Roman Catholic version is actually closer to Old Testament sacrifices. It is uh, has to be done repeatedly. It has to be done, um, as it says here, not once but a thousand times. Uh, Jesus Christ is offered up in the Roman Catholic version as the eternal victim, um, and it is never enough. Contrast that with the Bible. The Bible uses the phrase single sacrifice, single offering, one time. And what does that do? You'll notice in Hebrews 10 here, it says a single offering he has perfected for all time. So this single offering has eternal consequences. It's done once and the effect is uh, for all time. Uh, the Roman Catholic atonement is never enough. And the biblical atonement is once offered and sufficient for all time. As I began this study in OCD, I wanted to know if uh, there had ever been a study performed on OCD by denomination. And I couldn't find one. And if you ever do, please send it my way. I have no way of verifying this for sure, but... It seems to me that denominations like Roman Catholicism, uh, denominations that would be of a more Pelagian, semi-Pelagian, or Arminian bent would have uh, significantly more problems with OCD. It seems to me to be the practical outworking of their theology. If you believe your salvation is up to you, then it makes sense to be overly scrupulous. Uh... Now, people are always going to be inconsistent on some level, so perhaps maybe they ignore the consequences of their theology, but it'd be an interesting uh, read, nevertheless, to see if there's any kind of correlation between uh, denomination and uh, an OCD. Uh, but before I get distracted here, what, what, what is, what's the point of all of this, and where are we going? The point is that just like Roman Catholic theology— the atonement offered by the person with OCD needs to be repeated for it to be efficacious. And the problem is that no one ever knows if it's been repeated enough, hence the endless cycles. Uh, this only cultivates, uh, or in his attempt to cultivate pride, uh, one wants to rest in their own ability to free themselves, but it's just never enough. Uh, the result is a broken cistern of Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The atonement that is offered by the person with OCD is simply like a broken cistern that holds no water. Trying to atone for your own sin is like trying to bail water out of a canoe without plugging the hole first. You just don't make any progress. You can't atone for your sin. And so because of this, I believe, and I started today with uh, saying I would, I would share a passage with you, I would suggest that the person with OCD needs to engage in a serious and detailed study of Hebrews chapters 8 through 10. 
You need to embrace the atonement of Christ because that is your only hope. Understanding what Christ has done for you will bring you rest. Now listen, I'm just read to you a short portion of that. Hebrews 9, verses 8 through 14, to give you an idea of the difference between uh, what OCD is telling you and what Scripture is telling you. We read this. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until the time of reformation. But... And this is the contrast for what Christ offers. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood and goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, not a temporary one, an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience. You can only find a pure conscience in Christ, not rituals. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So if you are struggling with OCD, remember that you're not the only one who's ever experienced this and there is hope. But that hope is outside of yourself, not in your vain attempts to make atonement for yourself. Your hope is in Christ and in His atonement, the only thing that can purify your conscience. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.